And so the title of my message tonight is Walking with God. I'm excited. I don't know about you. Did you come for something tonight? All righty then, because the Lord's going to bring it. All righty then. Let's pray. Dear Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you now, Lord, and we come expecting to hear from you this evening. So as we come, Lord, we ask that you open our hearts and minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. We all go through the same stages of life as we grow towards adulthood. In that process of development, we first learn how to roll, crawl, stand, and walk. As babies, we go through stages where we observe our parents and their movements. We hear their voice, seeing them walk, and we want to emulate them. In other words, we want to talk and walk like them. But we don't understand the process. There is a process. One of the things that we start doing is pulling ourselves up on things. doesn't matter what it is. If it's higher than us, it doesn't matter. We see people walking around in our minds. And that means to us, we need to stand up. Then our parents place us in a walker. After a while, they see us getting the hang of it. They take us out of the walker and start to lead us around by holding our hands. Once we get the hang of it, we don't need to hold their hands anymore. That's what we do when God does things in our lives that are good. We don't need to hold his hand anymore because we tell ourselves, we, we, we got this. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Enoch that never let the hand of God go. He held on so tight, it pleased God, and he took him home. We read about this account in Genesis chapter 5, verses 22 and 24. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Notice he walked with God for 300 years. That's a long time. And some of us can't even walk with God three minutes. Some might say that Enoch never had a problem. That's why he was able to walk with God. And I'm here to tell you, Enoch had a whole lot of problems. He was 300 years old. His kids were 200 years old, and they were still living in the same house. Now, that's a problem. Now, I know for some of you who don't have kids, you don't understand that. But you just wait. There's enough right there to keep holding on to God. Remember when you first met your wife? 
your husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, nothing in the world mattered to you. They became your world. Now, some of you stopped eating. Some of you stopped sleeping. You were just so in love. And some of you even forgot your name. You talked on the phone all the time because you love to hear their voice. Can I tell you that's the type of relationship God wants with you? He wants with us. He wants that relation 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It said in in verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. You know, God loved Enoch so much. God loves us so much. All he asks is for a relationship. He said the key word that he was not. It was like he never existed. God loved him so much. In the book of James, chapter 1, James writes this. My brethren, count on all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. So James writes this letter. This is a a circular letter. This letter went through all the 12 tribes. Now James was the half-brother of Jesus. And long as, as Jesus was upon the earth, James, he didn't believe in him. He would go and sit and listen to him. As you read in the book of James, you see where he had, uh, he's taken out little accounts of the Beatitudes. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, he believed that Jesus was the Christ. And so the book of James was written 30 years after the death of Jesus Christ. And so in the beginning of, of, of James, it, it notes that he's a bond servant. And in those days, when you say you were a bond servant, that means you were sold out to Christ. You either were sold out to Christ or you were sold out to Rome. But James had made that stand that he was sold out to Christ. And so he became a prominent member in the Jewish church. So now that the 12 tribes were scattered abroad, James wanted to encourage them. So he writes this letter. Now I can't envision the 12 tribes, whoever was the one to open up the letter. And I can envision them looking at this letter and saying, you know, saying about the letter says, because he says here, he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. Most of the time when we're in trouble, we want a letter of comfort. And that's what they wanted. And so James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. In this life, we're going to have trials and 
tribulations or ups and downs. God uses these things to build our faith. Most cars today are equipped with cruise control. We use them when we drive long distance, mostly on the freeway. You turn it on and you set it for a certain speed. And there's no need to keep your foot upon the accelerator. That's the way we would like life. Carefree. But life is filled with speed bumps and potholes. See, God can't use a cruise control Christian. That's why God has to use these things to build our faith. He wants to remind us that this is not our home. We belong to be at home one day. When you fall in various trials, they come in our lives without warning. When you soak a sponge in water and then press down on it, what's inside comes out. A trial is a pressure on our lives that shows us what we've been soaking up. Trials show us what's really inside us because we can't see what's inside ourselves. And that's what trials are meant because God is working in your life. It tells us in Philippians 1 6, he who begun a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. So God is still doing work in our lives. We have no idea, but God knows every trial brings us closer to his image. He says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Faith is tested through trials, not produced by trials. Trials reveal what faith we do have. Not because God doesn't know how much faith we have, but so that our faith will be evident to ourselves and to those around us. See, we can't see God. We can see this podium here. But that's what the trials and tribulations God brings in our lives so we can get a vision of him. I've heard some Christians say, if I was back in the days with Jesus, I wouldn't have no problem with my faith. And I would say, really? You know, the disciples walked with Jesus. They ate with him. They slept with him. They walked with him. And they still had problems with their faith. Three and a half years, they walked with Jesus. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. You would think that would be enough. That they would have faith. But it wasn't enough. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 14. You're going to begin with verse 
13 through 31. Here, we will pick up the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Verse 13 and 14. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a desert place by himself. But when the multitude heard it, they followed him on foot from the city. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed they're sick. Now, in the beginning of chapter 14, in the context of the story, the disciples had told Jesus that John the Baptist had been killed. And it brought sorrow to his heart. And he wanted to be alone. But when he saw the great multitude following him, he was moved with compassion. The first lesson Jesus wanted to teach the disciples was about compassion. When you are going through a trial in your life, don't focus on yourself. Focus on others. When you minister and share the gospel with others, not only will your faith grow, but the trial that you're going through will begin to get smaller. And Jesus' word will begin to get larger. See, there's no doubt that Jesus was in pain because he was in human flesh. And he just wanted to be alone. His heart was sorrowful. But he saw the multitude. You know, one of the things that I have learned that is very important for Christians to be involved in ministry. Because ministry helps your faith grow. Because not only are you standing on the word of God, but you are encouraging and strengthening others and bringing the hope of the gospel. That's why I love my calling to prison ministry. I've been doing it for 27 years. God has called me to a place most Christians do don't, would never go. They would never go. They don't want to go. They want to go to Starbucks. They want to go to the mall. You know, they want to go just eat, 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 eat. But I ain't thinking about going in no prison. See, but for me, that's my calling. See, I've seen the lives of children being changed, women being changed, men being changed, and families being changed. God has a ministry for each and every one of you. And I'm here to tell you that your faith will grow because why? People are hurting out there. So all we're doing in church is gaining weight. See, when you let some of that go, you be about 15 pounds thinner. But in verse 15, it says, it was evening. And his disciples came to him saying, 
This is a deserted place. It's already late. Send the mother to it away that they may go into the village to buy some food. That's what the disciples were telling Jesus. They say, Jesus, this is a deserted place. And it's late. And we hungry. We got to go. You know, ain't nothing out here. But this is what Jesus said to them. Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You get them something to eat. See, they didn't learn the first lesson of compassion. See, they didn't want to be bothered. Now, John the Baptist could have placed something in, 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 in their way of thinking. But they were tired. They had been out there all day. See, we can find ourselves like that at times. A long day. Ready to go home. Don't want to minister. Don't want to talk. Just want to go home. And you know how you miss them divine appointments? You know exactly what you do, right? You be looking back saying like, wow. I missed that opportunity. You know, that homeless guy by the light, you know, I, I could have gave him a dollar and shared Jesus, but I was in a hurry. You know, and so they go on, but we know it's a divine appointment because why? It brings a conviction in our heart that God had placed this opportunity before us. Verse 17, he says, and they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. That's enough for us. Now, Jesus didn't pay any attention to them. They were selfish. You know, they said, you go get your fish. We got ours. But they missed the lesson. The lesson of compassion and faith. It says in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. See, all things. You know, sometimes we get upset when things don't go our way. Sometimes we have difficulty even seeing God when we don't see things our way. And they couldn't see. That's why God is always working in and through our lives. He's working in us to conform us into his image. In verse 19, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves. And the two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave it to the multitude. Verse 20. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men. Beside women 
and children. Now Jesus did two miracles in their sight. The fish and the bread. Then he had them to go and collect the fragments. How many times has Jesus done a miracle in your life? And you know it was him because you was at the end of your rope. You didn't know what to do. But Jesus wanted to make it very clear as he showed them that not only did he multiply the food, but also I want you to go and pick up these fragments. So there's nothing impossible for the Lord. But he had to show them on this road of blessing. And we, and we go through the same things the disciples go through. And when Jesus has done a miracle in our lives, and when the next trial comes, sometimes we start doubting that, that, that the Lord can do this. You know, we be crying and hollering, Lord, I, I, I don't know. You did the last one, but I don't know if you can do this one. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I was, I was almost gone, but I don't know about this one. Yeah. Face going up and down. But Jesus, like into the lives of the disciples, he's going to continue to test their faith. And he will continue to test our faith. It says in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. Now, the key word there is immediately. He didn't even give them a chance to think about it. Don't you feel that way sometimes? When the trials keep coming and coming and coming and you want to stop and then in some cases you might have a trial this month you might not have one for another three months see but Jesus knows exactly what you need and that's why when it said the disciples he made them go into the boat immediately because he was still working because have you ever tried to jump into a trial no, you don't want to jump into no trial. Just wait till it comes. But it says, in verse 23, it says this. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself. Now, when evening had came, he was alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary, contrary. Now, I don't know. The disciples might have got a little bit upset. You know, Jesus made them get in the boat and then he didn't get in the boat either. You know, they might have had a problem with that one. Why? Because the wind was blowing. It was raining. It was cold. It was dark. You know, they, they didn't understand what Jesus was doing. In their mind, they know that, you know, he, he multiplied that, the fish and bread. They know they picked up the 12 fragments. But Jesus made them get into the boat. 
And that's how we feel sometimes. We go through that trial and we got the wind blowing and it's dark and, you know, we're crying and hollering on our knees and wondering where Jesus is at. I'm, they might have had an attitude because Jesus left them. They didn't know what Jesus was doing. We go through the same things in our lives. We don't know what Jesus is doing. But one thing we do know, he's working. He might not be working the way you want him to work, but he's working. It says what? Jesus went up to the mountain to pray that they may not faint. Do you know Jesus is praying for you when you go through a trial? He's praying. He's interceding for you that you won't faint. It says in Luke 22, verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. That's what trials do. You know, God didn't save us not to do anything. He's using us in his plan. Jesus is praying so their strength would not fail. In Matthew 14, verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, the time of the, first, of the fourth watch was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. I mean, they was tired. They've been rolling. They've been rolling. And then they saw him. And then, again, and then again, they didn't see him because they were tired. You know how that is. You've been praying and praying and praying and asking God to remove the things in your life. Sometimes you pray so hard, you cry so hard, you can't even see anymore. But you continue. It says in verse 26, and when they saw, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out of fear. They said it was a ghost. They had been rowing for a long time in the wind and the rain and the boat bouncing around, they wasn't even sure. But when they saw it, well, but when they said that it was a ghost, it was because they had never seen Jesus come to them that way. When God answers prayer, he never asks, answers it the same way. And so two things that we see here. Jesus came as a ghost. Secondly, 
He is walking on the sea, which represents the word of God. God is trying to teach you and me to stand on the word of God. See, sometimes we like to try to go get information from somebody else. Because that's a human being right there. You sit there and tell them all your problems. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, all the time. You know, where's your Bible at? I don't know. I, I, I tried to open it up, but I didn't feel like it. You know, and they're giving you some misinformation. See? But Jesus is always walking with you on your problems of life. God is teaching you to stand on the word. That's what he wanted them, that he was walking with them. See, God's always going to walk with you, walk with you. You might not think he's not walking with you. See, the disciples didn't think Jesus was walking with them. He didn't think that Jesus, they didn't think that Jesus was praying for them. As I said earlier, God is always working. He wants us to stand on the word of God in faith as Jesus walked with us. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Because when they saw him, they were at the end of their rope. And when they heard God's voice, everything See, God will never give you more than you can stand. He's always going to take you to that point. Verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I think he wanted to get out of that boat because it was 11 other ones in that boat. They probably complaining. And Peter said, Lord, let me, let me come. You know, the old King James would say, bit me to come. In other words, please let me come. He didn't want to stand that boat much longer. He wanted to come to Jesus. And that's like for us. Jesus is working on the lives and we can't see him working. And we just want to just get out of that situation. Get out of that trial. God says, come. Come to the word. Meditate on the word. Pray over the word. That's what he said. You know when you have a headache? You know, you, you got a headache and you just want it to go away, right? You run and get you some Tylenol. Boy, and you know, you know, the headache don't go away like that. You're going to take that Tylenol, it can be 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. In your mind, you're going to believe it's going to work sooner or later. But why don't we think that way about God? He's going to work in his time. But it says in verse 29, so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go with Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and, and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. 
Sometimes in your Christian life, you're going to have to step out on faith. And God will call you at times to step out in faith. Now, when Peter first stepped out in faith, he was stepping out in boldness. At that moment, him and Jesus locked eyes and he says, please let me come, Lord. Please let me come. And he began to walk on water. But then he saw that the winds were boisterous and he was afraid. Let me tell you something. When you step out on faith, you think the enemy going to go and hide? He's going to be right there to bring doubt in your mind. When we look at Adam and Eve, chapter 3, the first thing Satan did was attack the word of God. And he would always attack the word of God. Because you have the faith to step out, that don't mean that the trials and tribulations are going to stop. And he began to sink. Took his eyes off Jesus. He said, Lord, save me. You know, God is so good that when we go through things in our lives and things get very difficult, he always just reaches his hand out. He says, I got you. Just grab a hold of my hand. Because in his heart, he said, save me. Save me. Peter stepped out on faith. When we step out on faith, we honor God. Stepping out on faith, trusting in his word. See, as Christians, we need to grow. We we knew that we needed a Savior. Because why? Somewhere in your life, you were on the Damascus Road when you had your conversion. Because if you didn't need Christ, you'd be still in the same old life. See, you wanted to change. See, you can't change yourself. That's why it says he who begun a good work. When you receive the gift of salvation, the free gift from Christ, you got to work on it. Paul says that in Philippians. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You receive the free gift of salvation, but it's up to you and to me to work at it. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. You got to fellowship. See, it's up to you and me to build our relationship with God. And if we don't build that relationship with God, it hinders our faith. It hinders our faith. See, when we step out on faith, it's not easy. But God is always there. To pick us up. Verse 31, it said, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when the wind, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And in verse 33, he says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, notice Jesus said this. He says, O ye of little faith. Now, he didn't say they didn't have faith. That's why he was working on their faith. Someone they thought they was all right. We get there too sometimes. I got enough faith. I got enough faith, Lord. I know. I know. And that's what Jesus was trying to do. Work on their faith. We see Enoch walking with God. We see James encouraging the people with compassion. And here we see Jesus working with the disciples. See, there's no difference between me and you because we're all Christians. If we're going to experience God in our lives, we got to put some in, right? Ain't y'all got jobs out there? We got people with jobs, right? Y'all got jobs. I know y'all ain't robbing nobody, are you? You got jobs, right? You got jobs. And the reason why you go to work is because it's of some value, right? You ain't going to work for free. Well, maybe some of you will. I don't know. You go to work because you know if you get paid once a month, twice a month, you're going to get paid. That's why you go to work. Why don't we think that way? Why don't we think that way when it comes to Christ? The value to sit before his feet. The value of reading his word. The value of praying. It has to have more desire in our heart than it is just to go to work. You know, when Jesus had all got him into the boat and that was what Jesus was working on that's why they can say in verse 33 truly you are the son of God you remember we was talking about the sponge that's what Jesus was doing he was just pressing on he'd be pressing on us because why that's what he was working on because when they all the things they went through they say truly you are the son of God See, remember, they've been walking with Jesus. Jesus was still working. But when Peter got in that boat, he brought him back. He said, truly, you are the son of God. And Jesus will continue to grow our faith until the day he takes us home. Right now, I'd like to have um, Anthony and the worship team come out. And um, our pastors come forward. Praise God. I want to share with you this. Two painters were in a contest where each said to the other painter, a picture of peace. One painter painted this sunset with the sun going down over 
the calm water. It all looked very nice and the picture had a very common effect. The other painter, the other painter painted a picture of a storm. In it, the sky was dark. There was lightning, thunder, dark clouds rolling overhead. The picture showed the waves crashing against the rocks. Things looked fairly chaotic. But in the corner of the painting, at the bottom were two big stones with birds in the middle of them. The birds were singing. Now that's peace. Peace is where God calms and God's tranquility overrules your concern. Enoch, he walked with God. And he was not because God took him. Don't that sound good? That God just can take you out of here one day and you won't have any more problems. You won't have any more things going on in your lives that are so hard for you to understand. And James walked with God and became an encourager. The disciples walked with God and saved the world. May we walk with God, a walk that would please him. Amen. Dear Father God, in your name, we want to thank you so much, Lord, for this evening, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, for meeting us here, Lord. And so, as we come tonight, Lord, we just want to just praise you, Lord. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Lord. I'm so grateful, Lord, that um, you didn't say we had to understand you. You didn't say, Father God, for us to trust and believe in this living God that have changed our lives, Lord. And so, Father God, what can we do, Lord? There's nothing we can do because the price was paid at the cross, Lord. And so, Jesus, we thank you so much this evening. Praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.